Well, as we said, we looked at this week, this month, we are looking at uh, these angels who appeared. Uh, first to Zechariah, uh, this uh, relative, really, of Jesus. Um, before Jesus was ever born, Zechariah, who had no children, um, and spoke to him and said, you're going to have a son, the son John the Baptist who would come. And it was a fulfillment of promises, a fulfillment that God is at work, bringing hope. Um, but also, we looked at peace. We looked at how God spoke to Mary through the angel Gabriel last week and brought peace uh, to uh, her heart as she surrendered. And we found that there is peace in surrender. Today we're looking at joy. We just sang the song, Joy to the World. Is that one of your favorites? It really is one of mine. And I love uh, the modernization that has happened with it, some little new contemporary chorus parts to it. But this has always been one of my favorites. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That, that, that we know, we celebrate a king and a messiah. And in a world that is full of all kinds of stuff, we need a king and messiah. Uh, we have this song and we sing it, but honestly... There are a lot of joy robbers in our lives, right? Now, you know the classic joy robber, right? You, you don't know who I'm talking about? The Grinch, right? Everybody knows the... Since 1957, Dr. Seuss's book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, has become part of our folklore. There's the Grinch, the musical. There's the Grinch who stole Christmas, the movie now. Um, there's plenty of ways to think about the Grinch um, who stole Christmas and how his heart you know, gets turned around right towards kind of a happiness. Okay, those aren't our real joy robbers, right? Those aren't the things, and there's no Grinch, and he doesn't really steal our joy. But there are things. What are they? Well, the Lord tells us this in in Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways or they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to to evil. I like how the New International Version translates this fret. Are any of you guys fretters? Right? I'm not talking about the frets on the, on, the, on the guitar. We're talking about fretting. Like, you know what I'm talking about, that hand wringing, that pacing back and forth, that, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I forgot the scissors kind of fretting. Um, it, 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 she didn't catch that. Um, uh, I think uh, one of our people was supposed to bring scissors this morning and forgot and was fretting about scissors. We had scissors once we got here. God provided. It was no problem. But we fret over small things. We worry about all kinds of things in our lives. And this is a season of joy? Or for you, is it the season of fretting? Right? Did everything get made? Was all the presents purchased? Did everything happen? To these, this is a season of fretting. There's so many regular things to fret about. I fret about there's not enough time. All my students want to turn in their papers late. There's not enough time to get them graded. Grades are due. I have to turn them in. There's not enough money. Does anybody get that fret? There's too many bills. I was hoping to get something else for Christmas. There's not enough energy. I'm getting some amens. There's not enough wisdom. I don't always know what to do. Those are my regular frets. But I feel like this year I've got these other things. Does anybody have a family crisis going on? I feel like there are family crises. These are my big ones. My family crisis. We've got global warming environmental type crises. We've got an economic crisis. Are we really going into a recession? We've got a moral crisis. Maybe with people we know, maybe in our lives. 
And we've got decision-making crisis, and that seems to be my biggie. How can I have joy in the middle of all of these things that just are perfect opportunities for me to do what I think I do best? And that's fret, that's worry, that's complain. How do we have joy in that? How do we have joy? Well, joy comes when we see God turn things around. Joy comes when we experience the fulfillment of His promise. Joy comes when God does what only God can do. We're going to see this today in Matthew chapter 1. I want you to see the story of Jesus' birth as told by Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, or also translated, a righteous man, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, when Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate her, their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Did you see the turnaround? Did you see what happened when God spoke? Did you see what happened when God intervened? Did you see how... Well, let's take a look. Here's the truth, that the joyful turnaround comes through God's specific directions. Did you hear that? His specific directions because of our relationship with him. Here's what I want you to notice. This was a moment of panic. This was a moment of worry. This was a moment of, of what do I do? This was a moment to fret for Joseph. What does it say? Verse 19, because Joseph... This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. What does it say? Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, in Jewish tradition, this pledge was a binding agreement. Now, for some of us, you know, there's the engagement like, ooh, get married, and like, oh, she gives the ring back at some point, or he asks for the ring back, or they break off the engagement, or it always says to me, buy a cheaper ring. I don't know. But, but you know, a little bit like of a panic. Of, but here, this was a binding agreement. This was something that, that they weren't married, they weren't living together, that, that, not until the, the marriage ceremony, but it was binding between the families. They were engaged to be married, but this was a, a, a betrothal situation. Before they actually, though, came to be married, it says she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine being Joseph? That uh-oh moment, Right? It doesn't tell us. The story doesn't go into detail here. Who actually told Joseph? Was it Mary? Hey, Joseph, i got to tell you something. 
Does he notice the changes? Is there a time of withdrawal? What was going on here? It was she, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Was there already gossip starting uh, in the community? Was there already discussion among the family? What was going on? What do you do now, Joseph? Before they came together, she's found to be with child. This is a moment of panic. This is a moment of fret. Verse 19, but because her husband was Joseph, was faithful to the law, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, in the Greek, it actually just says he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. Not meaning that he had no faults. Not meaning that he was sinless. Not meaning that he was perfect in all his character. But he was a guy that wanted to do what was right. He wanted to honor God in all his ways. He wanted to follow God's laws. And that's why, in fact, the NIV translates this, faithful to the law. He looked to God's law as directing his path, directing his his steps. In Isaiah chapter 8, it says it that way, right? It says, consult God's instructions and the testimony of warning. If anyone doesn't speak to this according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Or in Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it. I will follow your righteous laws. What's going on? Well, the scripture tells us, look to God's laws. He has given us instructions about the ways to go. He has given us parameters, boundary lines. God knows how we work best. It's that time for a road trip for Vicki and I. Going to see family. First thing we do before the road trip is take the car in, right? Do you all do that? Do you follow the manuals thing? They always print out this thing. Here's all the stuff you should have done by now, right? Here's all the things you should have uh, checked out. Here's all the times you fluids you're supposed to have replaced. Here's when your belts are due. Sometimes I'm like, do you really need to replace them now? Or do you think those things will go a little bit longer? Anybody kind of tempted that way? <clears throat> I am too. I keep thinking I could go a little bit longer. But what invariably happens, if I try to push it just a little bit too far, something goes wrong, right? A belt breaks, a hose leaks, uh, uh, the, the oil, boy, I should have changed that oil type of thing. We go a little bit too far. God has given us instructions. God has given us that owner's manual. God has given us that way that we are to walk in it, that good path. And it gives us clues and directions. Joseph had specific directions about what to do. Your fiance, this woman, has shown up pregnant and you know it's not you the law gave some guidance now some of it was pretty harsh divorce was an absolute but possibly even in Leviticus there's even they would like execute the woman for a, for for this in the old testament so I mean here he is going what do I do not only is there well you've got a divorcer but there's possible execution but he also may have read in Hosea where God says I desire mercy not sacrifice. The acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So as this man who's looking at the totality of God's law, where there is justice, there is righteousness, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go the whole scarlet letter route. I'm not going to try to shame her. I'm not going to try to put her in her place. No, my goal is to do something that is good, but also God honoring. We're, we're not going to get married 
let's just try to keep this quiet. We're going to let, let you live with your family. We're going to do what seems to be a very righteous decision. Here's what it says in verse 19, this righteous decision. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He, he made up his mind. He figured it out. He fretted. He worried. But he came to the conclusion, divorce her quietly. Make this private. Make this something that can honor her and yet also be, there's this judgment here. But it wasn't the right decision. It was a righteous decision. It was one that seems to follow God's law. But God was doing something unique here. God was doing something according to his plan here that was different. It was a righteous decision, but not the right decision. How do we handle that? Look what God does. In verse 20, it says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, hadn't Mary probably already told him about this? Hadn't Mary already explained that an angel showed up? Did he not believe her? I don't know that I would. Um, God came with this intervention. God came sending the angel in a dream to Joseph to say, it's okay. This is all right. This is from me. Here we have the turnaround. Brothers and sisters, can I just explain something that is, I think I wrestle with? We, we have God's word. We have scripture. We have guidance from God. But here's the truth. We are called into a relationship with him. We are called into a relationship with God. It's not just simply following rules. It's about walking with God. God leads us in ways that maybe not even make sense. They're never contrary to his word, but they often do not, because um, Mary had not committed adultery, right? This was from the Holy Spirit. It's not contrary to God's word, but it is showing us that we walk in a relationship with him. He guides us in paths that might be not clear. Twice in the last couple months, I had figured out exactly what I was supposed to do. I had prayed about it. I had come to a conclusion. Some of these were about conflicts that I had to have, and I do not like conflict. But I had prayed about it. I had thought about it. I had really thought, okay, this is what I need to do. This is the biblical thing to do. I am trying to act righteously and good, and this is good for all parties. This is loving, and I'm going to do what exactly what I thought I was going to do. And like a out of the blind side getting tackled from that, like being the quarterback, and, and all of a sudden the blind side, you just got sacked. All of a sudden it felt like God intervened in my life and just said no. This is what you're doing instead. And in the very moments, the circumstances just kind of, it was like God took the wheel and guided me because the Lord guides our steps when we are surrendered to him, when we are seeking him. God brings this joyful turnaround because we can see that he's involved. Well, number two, I want you to see this joyful turnaround comes through the significance that God places on each of our lives as he includes us in his plans. There's an extra because in there. Take out the because. <clears throat> if I was grading one of my students' papers, I'd definitely take off a point for that. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll dock myself here. <clears throat> there, there's an extra because. Take it. Through the significance that God places on each of our lives by including us in his plans. What do we see? Look back in verse 20. It says, Joseph, son of David. Now, 
in our, the Jewish tradition, the last name was basically son of, just like McQuitty means son of Quitty, right? I mean, you guys know that for the Scotch-Irish people. Yeah, Johnson means John's son, right? I mean, uh, so also in the Jewish tradition, you would be called your, your first name, but the surname would be the son of. Son of David, however, Joseph's dad was not named David. Son of David was a title. It means sort of a descendant of King David, someone who was in the royal line, someone who had a purpose and part of this lineage that would bring about the Messiah. This is, this is a, a, a title of honor that the angel is giving to Joseph, reminding Joseph there's something more going on here. There's something significant to who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Because why? Don't be afraid to take Mary home. What, she has, been, what has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God is at work. Brothers and sisters, if you were a follower in Jesus Christ, if you were one who has said yes to his salvation, if you were one who has said yes to Jesus, there's something you need to know. There is a title, multiple titles upon your life, child of God, co-laborer in Christ, servant of the Most High God. These things get placed upon you that you become part of His adopted family. You become part of this great inheritance of the Lord. You become one whose God's name is now placed upon your life. The faithful and true one has made you into His people. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, it talks about this, but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Have you accepted this title? Have you accepted the fact that you are child of God? Have you accepted that you are servant of the Most High King? Have you accepted this royal priesthood, holy nation, people of God that belongs to you, Joseph Son of David. I'm not son of David, but man, I am so thankful I am child of the king. I am so thankful that I can go to my father for inheritance. I can go to my father to ask guidance. I can go to my father who is the king of the universe to, for guidance. The one who knows the end from the beginning. This is part of the privilege that you have if you are a follower in Jesus Christ. Something else was going on. But number two, it says that, hey, what's conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. If you were a follower in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it just says, Having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is that deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of Christ Jesus. We have this indwelling. We are metaphysically, ontologically something different. We now live not just at me, but there's Mike 2.0. Mike that the Holy Spirit indwells, that I can call on his power and his strength. In the middle of the difficulties, in the middle of the fretting, in the middle of the worry, I can stop and say, I belong to you. You are my father, and you have given me the power of your Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit produce? Well, the Scripture tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Wait, did you hear those? Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, endurance, long-suffering. The fruit of the Spirit is what changes my, the Spirit changes my character. He enables me to be different than I am. We see the significance 
of what God is doing, and we're thankful. Look at verse 21. It says, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. One of, one of uh, a member here was sharing a little bit earlier today, just a, just a thought, a, a, a conversation they had, and they didn't even know. They didn't even know what was going on in the person's life, and they began to share about Jesus and about eternal life, and, and, and what they said is, boy, if I had known that the, some of the difficulties, I might have not told them about Jesus as much, and yet it was probably exactly what they needed to hear exactly at the right time. Do you, could you, you guys all do this too, right? When something's tragic happened, you wonder what you should say and how you should say it. And you sort of don't like, it's like you're walking on the eggshells and you don't want to break anything. And you, and we fret. Here, this person didn't even know that they were in a situation they should be fretting. They didn't have to, they were just speaking with kindness and love and boldness about Jesus. And it was probably exactly the right thing because God is working through Jesus to save people from the enslavement to their sins. And we need to hear the good news of Christ. And God, sometimes we're too worried about when to say it, how to say it, how to be that ambassador. But there is no hope apart from Jesus. Jesus has come. Jesus is indwelling us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus is using us as his ambassadors to the world. Well, number three today, and the lastly, is this joyful turnaround. It results from a realization that God has always been doing something more. Whatever situation you are in is really not the, the total story here. Whatever thing you are facing, whatever you are fretting about, is probably not something, is there something more going on? There's the transformation of your character. There's maybe making Jesus known in the world. There's a glorification of God. There is a purpose beyond what we understand. It says in Romans chapter 8 that God works all things together uh, for, for good for those who know him. And are called according to his purpose. In Matthew chapter 1, let's see how it plays out. It says, verse 22, all of this, the scare about Mary's pregnancy, that you didn't know where it came from, Joseph, the dream from the angel, the turnaround in your life, all of this, it says, took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. For through the, prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We don't have to be around the world very long before we get skeptical questions. I think we ought to ask them, quite frankly. Um, <clears throat> Paul tells Timothy um, to continue in what he, the faith that he's learned and what he has become convinced of. Maybe there's some of you today that you're kind of skeptical. This is one of those skeptical ones. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this is where that scripture comes from. That Isaiah is the prophet that, that Matthew is referring to. He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. There's a lot of questions about that verse. I don't know if you knew this. Um, I, the two biggies are, does the word mean young woman instead of virgin? Because that changes everything, right? The young woman will conceive and give birth to a son, and I, I, that seems very natural and human. Well, could it actually be the virgin? Does it mean young woman? The Hebrew word is Alma. Does it mean young woman or does it mean virgin? Well, here's the truth. 
Here's the truth. The Hebrew word alma uh, or halma uh, actually can be either one. Typically, most of the time, it means virgin, someone who is of marrying age but is not is a virgin. But occasionally, it does mean someone who is not a virgin. So it could be translated young woman. It can be translated virgin. The, the Septuagint, which is an old ancient Greek translation, the one that pretty much was used during Jesus' day throughout the Roman Empire, the Greek translation um, of the word. Similarly, typically, most of the time, in fact, all the times from the Old Testament except one, it's translated, it does mean virgin. But occasionally, one time in the Old Testament from the translation, but occasionally it does mean just young woman. So what does that mean? Does that rock some people's faith? Because they're like, oh my goodness, if this doesn't mean, then was it not a virgin birth? Is the story not true? Oh no. Well, the evidence, both from the frequency of how the word is used, but also from the context, shows that something more was going on. You see, Isaiah 14 is not all by itself. Isaiah 7.14 is in the context of chapter 7, 8, and 9 where God is talking about what he is going to do and what he's going to do about bringing a son. And throughout, by the end of that passage, it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will become what we called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The context and the word and the, and the translations show that these early believers, these early followers of God, knew that this passage wasn't just referring to a young woman who would conceive, but it would also refer ultimately to this Messiah, this spectacular verse, this God with us, this Emmanuel. You see, in 714, um, there was also the context specifically that Isaiah was facing. King Ahaz was in trouble. There were two kings coming his way. They were born to destroy the kingdom of Judah and he in the prophecy is about how God would rescue him and that a child would be born that would be assigned to him but this is also an indication not just of Ahaz's time but what God does throughout the Old Testament how a prophecy about this time is also referring to something more it's clear from the text it's clear from the abundance of the text that God is doing something more Sure, he's working in your life. Sure, he's answering your prayer. Sure, he's doing something more. This is the Emmanuel. This is the Emmanuel answer. This is the fact that God is with us. That God has not called us just to, well, follow a set of rules and that's my religion. No, my religion is in a relationship with the living God who walks with us, who has called us, who has been doing something throughout history to bring people to himself. Are there joy robbers? Absolutely. When I see what God is doing, it gives me joy. This is mine today. Yesterday, I got some difficult news. This week, I did. Someone that that I've known for a while and and care about deeply and seen God work in his life and um, had kind of lost track a little bit over the semester. One of the students that's in the ministry and um, when I knew him, his father had gone into a, a remission with his cancer, and I hadn't seen him much this year, and, uh, but I did see him on Thursday, and I don't know, just kind of prompted to ask about his dad. It's like he's not doing well. It, the cancer's come back. It's been really hard. He said hospice has come in. I was driving doing errands yesterday, and I'm listening to the radio, and they have the song we just sang, 
joy, unspeakable joy. It's like an overwhelming flood. And I'm trying to do my, and I'm trying to sing, and I'm thinking about this young man, and I'm thinking about his dad, and I'm thinking about this family, and I'm just, I mean, I'm just crying. I'll just, I'm just, I'm just, the, the tears are there. And I'm like, how are they supposed to have joy? And I begin to pray to God who walks with me, Emmanuel, who I know is in my life. The stories I read when he says, little girl, I tell you, get up. And she gets up even though she's dead. That God speaks to the sick and they're well. And I'm like, God, would you just say the word? Would you just say, be well? You've done it for others. You've done it for people I love. God, would you do it this time? Would you say, get up? Kept coming to my mind, just say, get up. A few hours later, um, I was actually with a couple of you all, and, and I got a text message that, that he had gone to be with the Lord, that, that he, he had died. And at first, I just, I, you know, I, once again, the tears came. But I remember, no, the Lord did answer a prayer. The Lord did say, get up. The one who walks with us in this life ultimately has promised to walk with us to the next. That God's Emmanuel doesn't mean I get the answer I want every single time. That God is doing something bigger in the life of this young man. That God is doing something bigger even in my own life. Because he didn't have to put it on my heart to pray for him that moment, to hear the song about joy, to be praying for them at pretty much the the, the hour uh, of of his translation, the, uh, the one where he would be translated into eternity. He didn't have to do that, but he did in my life, and I am grateful for the assurance because it reminds me that God is at work. He's at work in a turnaround. He's at work in a turnaround for eternity, and he's working in a turnaround in your life today. So here's what I wonder. Today, what will it take for you to experience God's turnaround? Is it a perspective change that you need? Is it, is it, is it an encounter with Jesus? Because even though we've talked about this personal relationship, you don't have one. You don't have one because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've got skeptical questions that you need answered. Hey, that's why we're here. We want to share with you about the life-changing power of Jesus. About questions, absolutely, let's take a look. Perhaps today, it's maybe a church that God has called you to join. That he said, no, this is the one. I think God is working here. I think God is doing something here. I don't know what it is in your life. But I know this church, we've been praying for turnaround. I know in our life, I've been praying for turnaround. God, would you turn this around? Bring the joy that only you can bring. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for joy that comes, uh, that comes that we want to share with others, that comes in the darkest moments, uh, that comes with the highest moments. You bring an unspeakable joy, an unexplainable joy, an unfathomable joy. God, bring that joy to the lives of those here, that we would walk in the presence of your Son, Messiah, our King, Jesus the Lord. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.